Lukashenko says Prigozhin is in Russia, not Belarus. Valerie Hopkins Andres are Martinez Justin Jones Paulson. Minsk, Belarus, the mercenary leader, Yevgeny V. Prigozhin, is in Russia, the leader of Belarus said on Thursday, adding to the questions swirling around Mr. Prigozhin's fate nearly two weeks after he called off his stunning armed rebellion against Moscow's military leadership. In a rare interview session with reporters at Independence Palace, President Alexander G. Lukashenko of Belarus said that Mr. Prigozhin was in the Russian city of St. Petersburg as of Thursday morning, in contrast with statements he made days after the mutiny when he said that the head of the Wagner paramilitary forces had arrived in Belarus. None of Mr. Lukashenko's claims could be verified, and Mr. Prigozhin has not been seen in public since the rebellion nearly two weeks ago. Mr. Prigozhin was not on the territory of Belarus, Mr. Lukashenko said, and nor were Wagner troops, who he said remained in their permanent camps, believed to be in the Luhansk region of eastern Ukraine. The Kremlin refused to comment on Mr. Lukashenko's claims, telling reporters on Thursday that it was unaware of Mr. Prigozhin's whereabouts. We don't follow his movements. We have neither the ability nor the desire to do so, said Dmitry S. Peskov, the Kremlin spokesman. Mr. Lukashenko also signaled that at least some of Wagner's fighting force, which was instrumental in Russia's capture of the Ukrainian city of Bakhmut this spring, could stay intact. He called the group Russia's most powerful unit, although he said that the main question of where Wagner will be deployed and what will it do, it doesn't depend on me, it depends on the leadership of Russia. Mr. Lukashenko was speaking in the aftermath of some of Russia's most dramatic political chaos since President Vladimir V. Putin came to power more than two decades ago. The Belarusian autocrat intervened in the armed mutiny led by Mr. Prigozhin, striking a deal with the Wagner leader that saw him stand down and withdraw his forces in exchange for amnesty for his fighters and safe passage to Belarus for himself. Mr. Lukashenko said that he had spoken to Mr. Prigozhin on Wednesday and that Wagner would continue to fulfill its duties to Russia for as long as it can. He said Mr. Prigozhin was a free man, but what will happen later, I don't know. He said he did not expect that Mr. Putin would seek immediate vengeance for the failed mutiny. If you think that Putin is so malicious and vindictive that he will kill Prigozhin tomorrow, no, this will not happen, he said. Mr. Lukashenko previously said that he had offered Wagner fighters an abandoned military base and satellite images verified by the New York Times last week showed new temporary structures being built at a deserted base about 80 miles from Minsk, the Belarusian capital. But on Thursday, Mr. Lukashenko appeared less definitive about the possible presence of Wagner troops in Belarus. Whether they will come here, and if so, how many of them will come, we will decide in the future, he said. Mr. Lukashenko said any Wagner units in Belarus could be called upon to defend the country and that the group's agreement to fight for Belarus in the event of a war was the main condition for granting it permission to relocate to the country. If we must activate this unit for the defense of the nation, then it will be immediately activated, he said. And their experience will be in high demand. After the rebellion in Russia late last month, Mr. Lukashenko positioned himself as a power broker who had helped avert a crisis even as he has become increasingly isolated from the rest of the world. Viewed by the West as a subordinate under the Kremlin's control, Mr. Lukashenko appears to be trying to burnish his image as a key player in resolving one of the biggest crises of Mr. Putin's tenure as Russia's leader.
by granting an interview session with a small group of reporters at his presidential palace on Thursday, Mr. Lukashenko may be hoping to establish a measure of independence from his benefactors in Moscow, while possibly getting a boost at home, with an electorate more interested in peace than joining Mr. Putin's war in Ukraine. Anatoly Kermeniev and Ivan Nechepurenko contributed reporting. The State of the War Aftermath of Prigazin's Mutiny Following the Wagner leader's failed rebellion, President Vladimir Putin appears to be scrambling to protect his rule by rewarding loyalty among Russia's elite and showering security forces with cash. Counteroffensive The battle for the village of Neskiny in early June, Ukraine's first win in the counteroffensive, served as an early warning that every mile of the drive into Russian-occupied territory would be grueling. Russia's new spy tech The Kremlin is incubating a cottage industry of new digital surveillance tools to suppress domestic opposition to the Ukraine war. The tech may also be sold overseas. Inside a battlefield hospital We spent a week inside a military field hospital in eastern Ukraine to capture the work of combat medics who are racing every day to save the lives of wounded soldiers. KYIV, Ukraine, Russian missiles, killed at least four people and destroyed dozens of homes in Lviv early on Thursday, in what officials said was the biggest attack on the western Ukrainian city since Russia launched its full-scale invasion more than 16 months ago. The authorities said the ages of the victims ranged from 21 to 95 and warned that there could still be people trapped under the rubble. More than 30 people were wounded in the pre-dawn strike on Lviv, which is hundreds of miles from the front lines and has largely been spared the worst violence of the war. President Volodymyr Zelensky vowed a response, saying on Twitter that it would be a strong one. The Ukrainian military said that Russian forces fired 10-caliber cruise missiles from carriers and submarines in the Black Sea. Seven missiles were intercepted, the military said, with others hitting the apartment complex and other sites. This is the largest attack on Lviv's civilian infrastructure since the beginning of the full-scale invasion, Andriy Sadoviai, the city's mayor, said in a video posted on Twitter that showed him standing in front of wrecked cars, broken windows and debris strewn on the street. He said more than 50 apartments had been destroyed. Maxim Kozitsky, the head of the regional military administration, said that a piece of critical infrastructure had also been damaged, but did not provide details. In the early days of Russia's full-scale invasion of Ukraine, Lviv was considered relatively safe given its proximity to the border with Poland, a NATO member. But it remains well within reach of Moscow's missiles as fighting rages on the front lines. Throughout the war, Russian forces have been shifting their tactics with missile and drone attacks, testing and trying to exhaust Ukrainian air defense systems. That's what happened early on Thursday, according to Ukraine's military, which said several groups of missiles were spotted on radar heading north before abruptly changing course to the west. Hours after the strike, as rescuers and firefighters removed chunks of rubble from the blast site, a crowd of about 100 people had gathered to watch and wait for permission from the police to re-enter damaged buildings. The air was filled with dust, broken glass crackled underfoot. Students from a nearby dormitory sat on a ping-pong table, watching the scene. Many wore mismatched clothes, having grabbed whatever they could throw on before running for shelter when the sirens sounded. 
Air raid alerts had started wailing at about 1.30 a.m. in parts of Ukraine, including in the capital, Kiev, before spreading to other regions. An hour later, the whole country was marked red on online alert maps, with Ukraine's Air Force warning that several missiles were moving toward the west. The first reports of explosions in Lviv soon followed. The authorities said air defenses were working and urged residents to remain in shelters. It was very loud, Mr. Kozitsky, the head of the regional administration, wrote on the Telegram app just before 3 a.m., urging people to stay in a safe place. After the all-clear was given around 3.20 a.m., ambulance sirens were heard in the city. Stanislav Kozlyak contributed reporting from Lviv. Cassandra Vinograd and Andrezar Martinez. Advertisement. Zelensky said he warned allies the counteroffensive would proceed slowly amid the wait for weapons. President Volodymyr Zelensky of Ukraine said he had warned the United States and other Western nations that the counteroffensive would go slowly the longer it took allies to deliver the promised weapons and ammunition needed for the mission. In an interview with CNN, broadcast on Wednesday evening, Mr. Zelensky said Ukraine had wanted to start the military campaign sooner but needed to wait for the advanced weaponry. I'm grateful to the U.S. as the leaders of our support, but I told them, as well as the European leaders, that we would like to start our counteroffensive earlier and we need all the weapons and material for that, he said through an interpreter. Why? Simply because if we start later, it will go slower. The slow progress has been a common refrain from allies and pro-Russian military bloggers assessing the counteroffensive, which has encountered extensive Russian defenses. General Marke Emily, chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, said last week that the Ukrainian troops were advancing steadily, deliberately. Slow advance is very deliberate, the general added in remarks to the National Press Club in Washington on Friday. He said the fact that the long-awaited push to recapture Russian-occupied territory was not advancing as rapidly as many experts had predicted did not surprise him. It's going to be very long, and it's going to be very, very bloody, and no one should have any illusions about any of that, General Milley said. Ukrainian soldiers are assaulting through minefields and in the trenches, and this is literally a fight for their life. So, yes, sure, it goes a little slow, but that is part of the nature of war. Ukraine has yet to commit the bulk of its reserves, including troops trained in Europe over the winter and spring, and equipped with weaponry from NATO countries, meaning it can bring still more force to bear. In the CNN interview, Mr. Zelensky made a familiar plea for even more advanced weapons and for American-made F-16 fighter jets. In some directions, we cannot even think of starting the counteroffensive, he said. As we don't have the relevant weapons. And throwing our people to be killed by Russian long-range weapons would be simply inhumane. Eric Schmidt and Andrew E. Kramer contributed reporting. Justin Jones Prigazin's revolt showed the possibility of a Russia after Putin, and that pro-democracy forces may not prevail. For a millisecond, it seemed possible. Yevgeny V. Prigazin, the Russian caterer turned warlord, armed with tanks and a private army, showed Russia and the world what an alternative to President Vladimir V. Putin might look like. 
It was only the second time in Mr. Putin's 23 years in power that a rebelling leader cultivating populist appeal flashed a vision of a conceivable Russia after Mr. Putin. The other occasion was in 2011, when Alexei A. and Navalny led a pro-democracy uprising on the streets of the capital. By the time Mr. Prigozhin's mercenaries were marching on Moscow, he was trying to draw his firepower from the same core grievance as Mr. Navalny, that Putinism is a system with no accountability run by a cabal of corrupt officials who are more interested in enriching themselves and pleasing the boss than in doing what's right for the country. The similarities end there. The extraordinary events of last month demonstrated not only Mr. Putin's vulnerability to a power grab, but also the prospect that whatever comes next could grow out of the extreme and unpredictable forces the Russian president has unleashed during his costly war against Ukraine. Mr. Prigozhin, whose mercenaries have been accused of indiscriminate killings and other crimes, made clear those forces could be equally, if not more grim.